Welcome to 67CEO's podcast. And my name is Derek Nzavi. Today, we are so privileged and honored to have Katego Koza. And Katego, how are you? I'm fine, and how are you? I'm doing well. Um, so we are looking forward to the great time that we're going to have. Um, you have a very, very exciting profile. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> you graduate and the first job was BMW? Yes. As a graduate? Yes. Can you just take us through that journey from that job to being a CEO today of this big company, I must say. Yes. Okay, so I graduated in 1998 and during that year, various companies were coming to campus to interview mm -hmm. uh, the graduates of that year mm -hmm. to look at opportunities for the next year. So we went through a series of, of interviews and eventually uh, they went around the country and um, BMW was one of my options. So at the time, I had about six options to choose from. Okay. Uh, so you, the companies come to campus, so you sit with various companies, including Unilever, there was um, BMW, mm -hmm. there was um, INET Bridge. Uh, yeah, I had about, I remember six options that okay. I had. Mm -hmm. And uh, this BMW um, opportunities appealed to, opportunity appealed to me because of the... The process that they went through okay. in, in order to get to the final candidates, and I didn't actually think I'd I'd made it. When I did, I thought, "Wow!" Okay, you know. And they sent you a whole um, pack of of all the the various tests that they'd done, your personality profile, mm -hmm. what would be good for you, and then they sent you a a letter saying, "This is what we're going to do," and with that, we'll also give you what the program's going to look like. Okay for the first nine months. Mm -hmm. So you'd mm -hmm. actually go to all the various parts of the business, learn about each and every part of the business, then end up in the area where you think you want to be most. Mm -hmm. Or if you change your mind along the journey, you could do that. So that also included going to the Roslyn plant to see how the cars are actually made. Okay. So for me, that just you know, really, really appealed to me. So I went on that journey with three other candidates. There were four of us. And it was a nine-year journey for the four of us. We, we even got to drive all the cars. Mm -hmm. um, we got to find out more about the new, at the time, the motor plan system was new. Okay. So the whole idea of a motor plan was very, very new. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up in the information systems department. Okay. And there I worked as a programmer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, programming using Visual Basic, which was awful for me because I like to be around people. So you'd actually find yourself in a secluded sort of offers trying to figure out what is faulty in the in the program, what enhancements you need to make to the systems, etc. Mm -hmm. So I did that for about six months. I absolutely didn't like it. Then I, I was then introduced into the call center, so BMW on call, okay. to support that function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And together with that, to work with marketing. And with marketing, that meant um, working with the motor plan system, mining the database okay. to say, who are we targeting? So targeting people that have had their cars for five years. Mm -hmm. Say you had a three series, now you need to move to the next model. Okay. To say who are we targeting for the new five series coming out? And then from five series, who are we targeting for the seven series? And then with the seven and five series, clients would also find out about their families to say who has a child who's about maybe 
17, 18 years old, mm-hmm. we can target Mini Cooper at the time okay. to be a product that they could use. So that got me interested in the use of information mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. world of call centers. Okay. And from there, I then um, moved on. The next job that I went to was EDS, mm-hmm. South Africa. So that was an ICT outsourcing environment where I then was based at NCCC, so the Net Bank Client Care Center. Okay. So that was more working with information mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. drive the business. If you're lo- launching a new card, I think at the time we, we launched the American Express Blue Card. Okay. So mining that database to say, okay, how do we get people interested and who would we target? And then also doing, uh, there were some TV ads that were done mm-hmm. to say we need to make sure the call center is ready for this TV ad. Okay. So when the TV ad flights the people must be on the phones. So that's when I got involved and very interested in the world of call centers. And eventually my new, my, my next move was to Barlow World, mm-hmm. where um, they liked the idea that I'd worked in the call center environment and the fact that I've worked in the motor space. So it was Barlow World Motor in the IT department. I was a project manager there, mm-hmm. launching different products into the various motor retailers within Barlow World. Mm-hmm. So I worked in the IT department and eventually moved to Avis, which was part of Barlow World at the time. So okay. it was just a series of moves around ICT, around the movement of information, around call centers. And at the time then I thought, no, I need to move now, find something else more exciting. Mm-hmm. I got a, an, well, a, a qualified offer from Discovery at the time mm-hmm. and they needed um, three references okay so one of the people that were doing the references for me said no man there's a job that i think you'd be good at okay as opposed to me being a reference for you for this job mm-hmm. why don't you look at this new project that's happening with the Gauteng provincial government okay. okay so then i ended up working not taking up the discovery job mm-hmm. i ended up working for the Gauteng provincial provincial government the shared services center which mm-hmm. was called the GSSC okay so they my job was to say okay we want to build a call center that will service the province mm-hmm. using SAP as a backbone okay. and SAP as an IT platform and as a driver for the call center but over and above that we want to look at job creation in areas that need that stimulation so we mm-hmm. ended up selecting Alex as one of the areas mm-hmm. and um, I had my job was to then find a building that could be converted Okay. to become a call center. Mm-hmm. So we found a building in Weinberg that was converted into a call center of 150 seats mm-hmm. together with the management staff and ICT, everything to get it also set up to do that. So that was my job. My job was to create the environment mm-hmm. from start to finish, people process technology. That was that was the job. And also managing the client relationship between our business, which was made up of four companies, so managing those four companies and then mm-hmm. the client relationship. Okay. And then bringing on new services as well, mm-hmm. using SAP as the platform to say HOD, Department of Health, Social Development, all the various departments. So I got to know quite a lot about government. And then the second one that we set up was in City Bank. Mm-hmm. And the building that we could find for that was in Thunder Bay Park. Okay. So we set up another call center. So that was another 150 seats. And then the call center was growing quite rapidly. Then they mm-hmm. said, no, we need to move it from Fox Street to Harrison Street to build a bigger um, call center environment where we could have a hub and spoke model. Mm-hmm. So Harrison would then become the hub and then would then have spokes, which would be the satellite call centers. Okay. 
So they move the the the, the current um, the the seventy five Fox Street environment into mm-hmm. Harrison and then built a whole hub there. So then we grew the call center from about eighty seats to it was I think um, just under a thousand seats okay. altogether. Wow. Wow. So that was very exciting to lead very, a project like that. Mm-hmm. And I ran with that um, for about five years. And then I was starting to get bored, you know. I've got, mm-hmm. I think I've got a four-year sort of time span <laughs> in, my, in whatever I'm doing. Then I get bored. Uh-huh. And then I was headhunted to work with the Department of Justice mm-hmm. to run a project there where we would be managing systems that would manage um, all the DOJ mm-hmm. uh, monies, you know, your... Uh, admission of guilt, bail monies, etc. Okay, okay. So there was a big tender out. It had been out for the last seven years. They're about to go live. I think Menzies Melani was the the DG at the time. Mm-hmm. And then there was a change of office bearer and the new DG that came in thought everything could be done um, in-house. Mm-hmm. So with that, I was working with APSA, I was working with Deloitte um, and a couple of others. Then they disbanded the whole thing. Okay. So basically that job was... No longer available. And then the partners that I worked with at the time, that's EPSA and Deloitte said, look, we've worked with you. If you're looking for a job, let us know. Let us know. So that's where I ended up at Deloitte. Okay. So at Deloitte, then I was an associate director, Mm -hmm. also working on government business because of my government background. Mm -hmm. So the three metros of my client, city of Mm -hmm. Joburg, Ekuruleni, and city of Tuani. Okay. And then I worked with them up until 2014. Mm Mm-hmm. And in 2014, I then decided I wanted to do something else, wanted to move into property mm-hmm. development, so okay. rural property development. So mm-hmm. that's what I moved. Then we, start, we established this office, the Zana Investments Office, mm-hmm. where we would look at the property development as one offering okay. and a couple of other investments. And mm-hmm. also looking at after the, uh, the family businesses, because my parents, you know, they're aging and they started a whole lot of businesses mm-hmm. and we wanted to consolidate and create a family office. Okay. So within the family office we've got then the hospitality business. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw Hoyo Hoyo. Hoyo Hoyo, that's the Because Hoyo, I did Hoyo. go there to for the event. Oh wonderful. Yeah the first time I went there I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Yes. But I like the feel and the touch of the cultural kind of you know yes, and I was like yes, wow. Yes. So yeah so when I checked around I was like oh okay it belongs to this group. So, yes, <laughs> okay. yes. So that's part of our business. So there now we've got seven lodges uh-huh. under that business. Okay. And then my parents also got involved in this avocado um, farming yeah, and yeah. a pack house where uh-huh. we pack for Europe. So we pack with the second biggest uh, packing facility. The, you, yes. And in terms of export, you're one of the biggest, right? Yes, the second biggest. Yeah. yeah, yeah after I, Westphalia. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's great. So we pack for our farm mm-hmm. and uh, 23 other farmers. Okay. So all the produce that came out of there, but um, just over at least about four, four million cartons mm-hmm. would go into Europe. Wow. So there's that business and then there's this office, the Zana office. Mm-hmm. We've now established out of the Zana office as part of the investment wing. We've got a public uh, a private equity fund called Tlaisani. Mm-hmm. So we also run that from here. Okay. So Tlaisani is an SMME growth fund mm-hmm. where we are looking to support uh, companies that are post uh, venture capital. Mm-hmm. So companies that are looking for growth, okay. significant growth. Mm-hmm. So we then invest in that. So we go out into the market and um, we, we get funding and then grow that through the private equity fund. So that's what I'm currently doing. Wow. 
Actually, it, you took me through most of my questions. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Which is that's quite good. interesting. But I, I got interested in the um, your information and having to get into call center in the process. Mm -hmm. And I had to link that with how you were smiling when I walked in to say to greeting everybody. And I could tell that, Norman, this is a CEO, uh -huh. but the attitude is different uh -huh. because you can just be open to everybody, yes. you know, greeting everybody. But now... Having to look back and say, if today you were to land into the 4IR environment and say, mm -hmm. what would be your take into this, you know, kind of a foria that talk about the 4IR, looking mm -hmm. at your background mm -hmm. and say, how can it connect into the economy today? Mm -hmm. If we're to look at how do we accelerate it mm -hmm. going forward? I think for me, because South Africa is a very youthful um, country. Mm -hmm. For, for me, the next big thing is using technology to deliver services. Okay. So any any function that's repetitive mm -hmm. that can be done over and over again without any change mm -hmm. should really be automated. Okay. And rather use people for the intelligent part, the thinking part, stuff okay. that machines can't do. Mm -hmm. So people then would need to educate themselves that much more okay. in order to play in the analysis and decision-making mm -hmm. part of the economy. And okay. anything that's just rep repetitive, really a machine should do it. Mm -hmm. And you rather watch that the machine is doing the work and manage it by exception. Okay. So I think the for IR for me is more about automating. Automating. And, okay. and, and creating a more intelligent workforce. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. And then I, I just want to check something with you to say from the call center, now you're in a boardroom and understanding the challenges that we have, especially with um, how some of the people from the male side of things, how they look at women, you know, in the power and all that. Mm -hmm. How do you balance that? And what are the challenges that you've faced in terms of the responsiveness from the, the let, let me say, from the, the workforce mm -hmm. to say, here is the CEO, she's a woman, she's powerful, we agree, but the fact that she's a woman, we are not willing to kind of, follow or go with the flow. Mm -hmm. How did you deal with that in terms of shaping the company to where it is now? I think for me, it's more around always being prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, for any meeting, you should never go into a meeting apologizing. Okay. You should never go into a meeting ill-prepared. You should always have input. You mm -hmm. should have a view. Okay. You, you can't just walk in there and agree with everything and walk out because you've added no value. So um, I've been privileged that I, I do sit on boards which are mainly male. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's not about you're a woman, you're a man. It's okay. about adding value. It's about making decisions, the right decisions for the company. Mm -hmm. And and about long-term decision-making. Okay. And about, you know, if you don't have information, go and find it. Mm -hmm. Or if you don't have expertise, go and find it. Okay. So that you have all the information on the table, you, you put together a, a, a decision and make sure that it's informed, that it just makes sense. So that for me, it's not about being a woman, being a man. It's about excelling. It's about being prepared. It's about knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, anything that you don't know anything, if you don't know what 4IR is, go and find out. Don't hear people saying this. You go into Twitter, <laughs> social media, go and find out exactly. And check for yourself. And check for yourself exactly. and understand for yourself what does okay. that mean. And mm -hmm. for me, women have always been... Um, such strong role models in my family. Mm -hmm. It may not be a woman in a boardroom. 
Okay. You could have a grandmother who's a matriarch. Oh, okay. A grandmother who's a matriarch is a leader in that mm-hmm. family. When mm-hmm. decisions need to be made, she gets consulted. Exactly. So my grandmother was that kind of person. Mm-hmm. Where she did not get the best education, but mm-hmm. she knew how to make decisions. She knew what questions to ask. Okay. And she knew that whatever decision she makes mm-hmm. will impact beyond just that person that she's talking to. Okay. So she was someone that everyone looked up to. So in a sense, she was a CEO. Of, of the, the family, family yes, all. and I've, I've always said that women everywhere are always leading. Mm-hmm. You know, single parent families are leading, which is true. Which you is know, true. if yeah. I'm running a single family, I have a house. Mm-hmm. I'm running that household. Exactly. At, every month there's a budget. If there's mm-hmm. an income coming in, I'm bringing a salary. I need to make sure I stretch that salary for the mm-hmm. thirty days until the next one. Okay. That is managing. That is being a leader. And that's being a CEO. That's being a CEO of. <laughs> You know, um, Cosa Family uh-huh. Incorporated. So it's, it's, it's about seeing leadership and leaders in places where you least expect to find them. Exactly. So whoever you meet out there, you don't know what CEO they are. Mm-hmm. They could be mm-hmm. CEO of even someone, someone who lives in Kukwin mm-hmm. is a CEO, CEO of, that, of, that environment. of that environment. When yeah. a decision needs to be made, they get consulted. Okay. When there's money that needs to be paid on the, put on the table, they're the ones that bring in that money. Mm-hmm. If they need to budget, they're the ones that budget for that decision. Therefore, leadership can be found everywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, this is the thing that most young people don't understand. They think that to be a leader, you have to get into a certain level when in your environment you can take that leadership yeah be decisive in terms of what you want to do in terms of the company um the is there any footprint in africa um as a whole in terms of acquisition and in terms of investment Mm -hmm. or it's more on the product that you can take outside the country so we do all our work within south africa Mm -hmm. but through the private equity firm um, the companies that we invest in, those mm-hmm. investee companies, mm-hmm. tend to have a footprint outside oh, yeah, Africa, yeah. but okay. we don't go out in our own right. Mm-hmm. We would go through an investment um, option. Okay. Yeah. And 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 would would you do you see any potential on the free Africa free uh, continental uh, trade that mm-hmm. is spoken about? Actually, in South Africa, you know, whenever there is a new term or a new word, we just want to kind of magnify it. But at the same time, do we do we see that potential for small businesses or for any business to that matter to say, how will they benefit from that? I think the movement of goods, mm-hmm. that Africa free trade, that's what it will assist us with. Mm-hmm. The movement of goods and people. And I think with a free trade, this xenophobia... Mm-hmm you know, maybe a thing of the past where people can move free, freely within mm-hmm. the borders. Mm-hmm. Goods can move freely within the borders. Currency exchanges. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know, at some point get to a point where there's a single currency, like a euro. I don't know, an era. I, I think Gaddafi, <laughs> is it Gadmaham? Uh, yes, Gaddafi yes, has been yes. talking about that yes, a I lot. I think that's something that's possible, <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a mind change. It's a paradigm mm-hmm. change. And mm-hmm. people... They, they get uncomfortable when other people come in from a different country. They think those people are taking opportunities away from them. Mm-hmm. So you need to have a change in, you, in the way you think okay. about business, about uh, the movement of goods and services mm-hmm. in order to get to that point. But I think it is a pos- it, it's possible, maybe not in our lifetime, but it's definitely a Let's possibility. Let's make it happen in our lifetime. <laughs> we, we should try. Um, 
we, we are in a situation where recession is a country and over and above that then we have this monster called coronavirus yes. that just stepped in and sneaked in. Now, what would be the kind of a major or mitigating factors that you think as a business can take in this situation? Um, not to give up hope or not to, you know, to kind of say, how do we survive? How do we make it in mm. this environment that we are in now? Yeah, so we, we play in the tourism space mm -hmm. with Hoyo Hoyo. Mm -hmm. So if people can't come in to the environment, what does that mean? Because we've got a lot of foreign visitors that visit us. Mm -hmm. So I think it's an opportunity to say, look, uh, how do we expand our um, footprint to be rather focused on local business, mm -hmm. getting people to travel oh, yeah. within their own country. So, so in a way, it gets you to say, how do we shift our Shift vision? our thinking, yes. How do you do a, the paradigm shift and say, where we are now, we can't make profit or we can't grow the business. So yes. now let's look at how do we do it internally. Internally, I think that's, yeah. That's a good what's the internal mm. positioning? Mm -hmm. You know, what can we do mm -hmm. with what's available now? If we landlocked, we can't fly out. Maybe we continentally locked. Okay. How do we get maybe people from within the continent, if there's mm -hmm. still movement within the continent, mm -hmm. right? rather market to those as opposed to marketing to Europe and America. Mm -hmm. and, you know. So I think that's the opportunity to say, use this problem as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you say that also the small businesses, the advice could be that they should maximize using their opportunities in the times of challenges? Because I remember somebody said that there can be opportunities during mm -hmm. the recession. Mm -hmm. And once you can survive that period, the chances are that your business can grow and it can face any recession. So would you say to the small business, somebody who said, I've got an idea, I want to get started, mm. but now I'm scared of the recession and I'm not sure if my business will grow, would you say that they can take that risk and jump in and move in with it? Mm. For me, <laughs> with any business, if you don't try, you don't get <laughs> So if you're going to sit in your corner and say, hey, I'm scared, I'm scared, you need to at least try and then... See if it works, come back to the drawing board. What did we do well? What did we do not do well? What didn't we do well? And the stuff that we didn't do well, what is it that made us not do well? And what are others in our space doing? Is there opportunity to collaborate? Is there opportunity to diversify? So you always have to come back and say, no, man, I tried this thing, but why are people not coming? Or why did I only capture five people and not the 20? Why didn't the other 15 come? Let me talk to the 15 and mm -hmm. understand why are you not interested in my product? Because someone not liking your product is already an opportunity for you to improve. Okay. It's not an opportunity for you to sit back and say, oh gosh, these people, they don't want they me. Don't Let me want just to buy from me. You know, go somewhere else. Just say, look, I mean, even with, with, uh, with hospitality, if someone gives you a bad review, you must understand why did they give you a, a bad review? Mm -hmm. What is it about your offering that did not appeal to them? And then you go and fix it. Then you call that person back and say, listen, thank you for your feedback. Mm -hmm. This is what we've since done. And we'd like to invite you back to come and try out okay. the change that we've made and give us feedback again. Feedback again. Okay. So a, a negative sometimes an, is an opportunity to open your mind and look at new ideas. That's great. Um, there is a quotation that I've, I've made. Um, I, I love quotations. I've read all of them that I've seen you know, in your offices. <laughs> If you don't try, mm. you don't get. Yes. By Gatego Koza. 
Tell me something. In terms of the, I think it's Tlaisari yes. investment, do you also look at um, startups? No, we do post VC. So startups fall within the VC space. Okay. Um, so no, um, we, we don't do startups at all. Mm-hmm. We, we're looking at companies that have already started and they've done well mm-hmm. over a period of time and are okay. looking to have a step change mm-hmm. in a significant change in their business. Okay. So as, as a company, you do have some, um, I would say, enterprise development programs mm-hmm. that, that kind of look at assisting small businesses? Yeah, within our businesses, mm-hmm. um, let's say the hospitality space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we, we look at people that we can assist to do better. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now, we're busy building a hotel, a 60-bed hotel. Okay. So for me, it's about giving opportunities to those small entrepreneurs, like a carpenter, mm-hmm. to say, come and work with us and do all the carpentry for the 60 beds. So already that's good profiling for that carpenter. And with the critical mass that they'll get out of that, they can say, maybe I can buy one or two backies. Oh, yeah. What can I do to make my business better as a result of this interaction mm-hmm. with this company? Uh, we've got a guy who's a landscaper, you okay. know, to say, bring in your landscaping skills to do the work here and use this as mm-hmm. a platform. Mm-hmm. And for us to be able to introduce it to other people that we work with within this space. Okay. Property development, if you do a good job here, it's easy to refer you. Mm-hmm. So in terms of enterprise development, is more around uh, working in partnership with small players mm-hmm. and ensuring that they, they too can grow so to you, be bigger. So you kind of... Do the practical, practical of it, yes. not necessarily to say, "Come, let's talk to you, let's address you," and then from there, then you yep. just want to make sure that they get those opportunities. Yes. No, that's yes. great. Yes. I just want to talk about a great man, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest men that we have in South Africa, and who uh, wrote many books, yes. right? And that happens to be your dad. Yes, he is, <laughs> and my business partner. In Doctor. fact, he's my he's he's employed by us. Oh, so yes. you employed him yes, to I'm chair the boss. board. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. Um, you, this is the man that understands black excellence, leadership in Africa, in the world. Mm-hmm. I, I would say mm-hmm. one of his books, the, the foreword was by mm-hmm. Honorable Mandela. Nelson Mandela himself. Yes. <laughs> you see? Now, with that, I would say surrounding, yes. one is too many. It's like you're surrounded by a million of people. Yes. of wealth, of knowledge around you. Mm. How do you tap into his knowledge to say, Dad, please assist me here? How often do you do that? As, 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 you know, because you can't shy away from that to say, mm. Dad, um, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. How often does that happen? And what is it that you feel that um, at, at the end of that call, you feel fulfilled that... Mm-hmm. I spoke to my dad, but also I spoke to somebody that gave me a valued advice. So I always laugh at that question because for me, my father is just Papa, like my dad, Uh Uh, someone I've known my whole life, literally, of course. Um, And we speak almost daily. Mm -hmm. Uh, My father and I, we get along very well. Mm -hmm. We work together on almost all the projects. I think on a daily basis, we Mm -hmm. make calls to each other. I just spoke to him this morning mm-hmm. regarding some pricing that we're doing for the pack house. Mm-hmm. We throw ideas. So for me, he's always been someone that I can talk to about anything. So mm-hmm. I don't really think to myself, oh my God, he has a great leader. 
I'm like, here's my father, here's mm-hmm. my business partner, here's a mentor, here's my friend. So, I mean, in terms of fulfillment, I'd say he's consistent. Mm-hmm. He always acts with integrity. He's ethical. You know, he, he's, he's all those things. And I've been privileged enough to be around those characteristics my whole life. So that mm-hmm. also helped to shape both and myself and my sister. Also. The grandmother, the mm-hmm. whole family. So, you know, I've been privileged in that I grew up around those values. And mm-hmm. those are values that I've taken on myself. Uh, my sister's taken on, my mother is very similar. She's mm-hmm. also someone that on a daily basis, always talking, she sends me WhatsApps, she, you know, e- you know, emails, SMS, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have very, very close family. I think for me, my, my family became very close after um, I had a brother, mm-hmm. after I lost my brother. Mm-hmm. So there were five of us. Okay. My, my brother passed on, then there were four of us. So the four of us are very, very close. So in terms mm-hmm. of any decision that needs to be made, we'll have like a Sunday lunch, mm-hmm. talk about it. We've got a family WhatsApp group. My daughter's in there as well. Mm-hmm. So everyone has an opinion to say, look, what, look, this is what I'm thinking. This can what do you think? Along, eh? yeah, oh, yeah. there's this thing about Corona and hospitality. What do mm-hmm. you think? There's, you know, so we're always interacting and we try to do family um, vacations together, mm-hmm. to spend time together. So it's people that I'm close to all the time in terms of decision making. Look, mom, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? Dad, what do you think? Sister, what do you think? Daughter, what do you think? Mm-hmm. So we are that kind of family. So we interact all the time. I wouldn't necessarily pick up the phone for one decision. We'll be talking about all sorts of things throughout the day. Mm-hmm. We, 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 if we go into a meeting, maybe we get there early and say, look, what do you think of this? And then we talk about it, go in the meeting. How do you think the meeting went? So it's an ongoing interaction. It's mm-hmm. not a, I must call my father about a decision today. No, it's a... It's a, it's a, it's a sort of an ongoing thing, and for me, he's just someone who's been a very positive force in my life, mm-hmm. and I've been very fortunate. And you know, he he grew to become this leader that he's become. He hasn't mm-hmm. always been been that. It, it was a, a growth path, and mm-hmm. we were all fortunate to be part of that path as his family. Mm. Yeah, because I did follow part of his journey. I think it was in one of the radio interviews, and mm-hmm. you would think, wow, for you to from moving from there to this point, and you still stay humble and still stay kind, mm. uh, because I remember there's one of his expression that mm. says, I think I'm, I'm watching it now, that says, colors leaders and misleaders mm-hmm. are those who are uncaring or unkind. Yes, and yes. which is a true statement when you look at the kind of leadership that we have today in, in yeah. South Africa or yeah. in the world as a whole, where one leader could just go and say, coronavirus is just nothing mm-hmm. you know let's mm-hmm. carry on and do business as usual yeah. Yeah. now in terms of um, i just want to this will be the last question on that part <laughs> okay in terms of decision making where you make a decision and have you had a situation where you came back and said no 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 this is not gonna work mm-hmm. and the two of you now had to get into that argument and say dad this is gonna work you mm-hmm. are a chair i hear you mm-hmm. but i want us to go with this decision mm-hmm. No, that happens all the time. I think no decision is made so easily. Say, oh, uh-huh. okay, here's a decision. Okay, thanks. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Okay, great. Let's. We're always having those challenges mm-hmm. with each other to say, listen, I don't think this will work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but why? Oh, it's like, okay, we th- I think we should change this. Then it would be a case of, okay, if you change this, that's a big cost. Mm-hmm. Work out what the cost of changing it would be. Okay. So we'd have those kind of discussions, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to say, look, I hear you, but hear my part. This is what I thought. Yeah, my part is what I thought. Okay, if we're to change, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Then together, we say, okay, 
the cost of changing that decision is actually might be too it's much. a little bit too much. Maybe let's go with this and see how that goes mm-hmm. and then sit and, and go through, you know, what's happened since the decision. Was it the right? I mean, with, with, with life, for mm-hmm. me, the only constant is change, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're always reviewing and checking and, you know, and checking with each other. I mean, if you've done something wrong, it's, it's good to know that it's wrong or it wasn't the right thing so that mm-hmm. next time you do it different. Okay. I, I noticed that you did your MBA. Mm-hmm. And are we going to have a situation where now we can say now, here comes Dr. Nkateko Koza yes. in terms of your studies. Is there that ambition to study further towards that? Yes, I'm actually working on that as we speak now. Oh, great. So I'm busy assessing what, um, which institution mm-hmm. would be best. So okay. I would like to do a doctorate, mm-hmm. so either a DBA or a PhD. Mm-hmm. Um, still working on a topic. Um, the topic that, I, that has come to mind was about, I think we spoke about it earlier, mm-hmm. about women in leadership. Okay. And what is it that's um, standing in the way of more women mm-hmm. leaders mm-hmm. surfacing in corporate spaces and private sector. Um, also, uh, also in politics. And, and in uh, politics as because well. Because I saw the race of um, a democratic, a democratic in, in the U.S. Yes. You would look at the women that was there were eliminated at the early stage. Yes. And you have to understand that this has to do with the mindset. That in as much as we accept we've got democracy, mm. but there is this this ceiling that we put ourselves and say, yes. well, I see you've got a potential, but because you're a woman, mm. you're not going to pass here. You know? yes. So yeah. I think that's an issue that we need mm. to look at beyond mm. patriarchy and mm-hmm. people's perceptions and you know, how you grew up and how you see the world. Mm-hmm. There must be something else that's holding them back mm-hmm. or creating this glass ceiling or an invisible ceiling to say, I can't be on the board of that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the the JC top 100, how many mm-hmm. women leaders do you have there, and why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be an interesting study. So and, and those that we have, in most cases, they don't serve long enough mm. to be remembered. Yes, like JC, I think there was a lady there, and now she's shifting, getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to you being a CEO until you become a chairman of. <laughs> Zana. <laughs> so let's say 100 times, you yes, know, as yes, the name yes. might uh, suggest. In terms of your dad wrote a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And I, one of them, I think it's this thick. Attuned leadership. <laughs> yes. Any ambition to write your own books or share your experience and write in terms of, because I know that in terms of thesis, mm-hmm. that would be one of the books yes. or the article that would be there. Yes. But any ambition to kind of say, I want to write books, I want to share my story, I want to talk you know, to the youth mm-hmm. or anyone who would listen in the form of writing. Definitely, but uh, my uh, passion is more around being practical about books. Okay. More like a workbook. Mm-hmm like a self-improvement book. Mm-hmm. Something where you'd have a few pages where you can actually add your thoughts, mm-hmm. your plans, your goals, your objectives as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe a book around personal branding. Okay. Um, a book around but around improving yourself mm-hmm. as a leader. Mm-hmm. Where you, you can make notes, you can refer back to it, you can see how, you know, how much you've changed through the, the, the periods mm-hmm. from when you started the book to now. From year to year. So I, I think more a book that speaks to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I once uh, attended um, a, a uh, personal branding workshop mm-hmm. where the lady was saying that 
it's also important to do a personal SWOT, like okay. a SWOT analysis of yourself, exactly. uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What opportunities are there for you? What threatens you from mm-hmm. achieving more? Mm-hmm. So that I think to have something in the form of a book that speaks to those things to say, okay, this is me. These are my strengths. What am I doing to play on those? These are my weaknesses. What is my plan to to counter those weaknesses, to to change them into into strengths? Mm, These are my mm. opportunities. What am I doing to chase those opportunities? These are the threats that are there in my life. What am I doing to mitigate against that? So for me, a, a book that speaks to something like that would be very useful in terms of whether it's a mentorship type of arrangement or a coaching arrangement to say it's about personal improvement, That's about... What is it that I can do better about myself? And then look look at myself through a timeline. I did this two years ago, now I'm here. What, what has changed? And then also getting a view from other people. So mm-hmm. not just looking at yourself internally on your own, to say, let me get people that I look up to, to tell me what is it that I do well, that I don't do well? Where can I improve? Because I think people get those kind of questions mostly in interviews. But now you're doing it for yourself. You're not mm-hmm. doing it because you want a job. So I think it's important to, to, to be, as a person, to be growing all the time. Yeah, because I, I think there's a saying that says, for you to understand the product that you're selling, you need to understand the product that you are. Yes. And have that kind of approach in terms of um, what brand are you? How do you interpret yourself? And, and which I believe that that book can be a big seller. <laughs> but not more than your dead spook. Um, we, we at 67CO, we are so passionate about entrepreneurship, developing young uh, entrepreneurs, but also running the programs that would be more on the um, one-on-one mentorship, adopting a mentor and all that. And I must say that uh, looking at the scope and the vastness of your business and operation, um, yeah, I can say that we, we are looking forward to say tomorrow, Zana is one of us in terms of supporting and sponsoring some of our programs. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll certainly look into that because we, we are creating a foundation. Yes, yes. With education mm-hmm. as its focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah, because what, what we do normally would we'll just say, you know what, let's just match a mentor. Like in your case, we know that, okay, mm. a doctor to be, Gateko. Mm. It's not available to see this mentee. Let's have a commitment from the, you know, in the form of donation or any form. Mm. And then we allocate a mentor Mm. to that mentee and say, you know what? Here is the relationship working. And then from there, give you a report and say it's working and all that. Mm. But also it's it's a way of saying, how do you run away from incubations? And I like your approach Mm. as a company. Because what you do is you say, instead of saying, how do we do enterprise development? We give you a job, mm. a wheelbarrow, <laughs> and mm. say, here is the place that we are building. Please come and join us yes. and make money mm. and see to see that you are working. Yes. But in closing, I just want to check with you because we are ambitious about meeting. If you check the name 67 CEOs, it means that we are looking at 67 CEOs. Mm-hmm. Which one would you recommend that we can sit down and with and like we had one-on-one with you mm-hmm. and be able to have the interview with? Because we believe so much that either way, our programs aside, 
having to get the stories from six, from CEOs themselves, it's motivating to young people. Yeah, I just want to add on the mentorship mm-hmm. um, part. I am part of an organization called the National Mentorship Movement. I know it, actually. Yes, so mm-hmm. I think with 67 CEO, there's mm-hmm. a big um, alignment. Actually, I'm part of it, actually. One yes. of the mentors in it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I think we should collaborate more on that because I serve yeah. as a director on that, in, okay. on that entity. Okay. Yeah, but in terms of who you would like to, mm-hmm. to, to interview as a CEO, I think there, there may be several that yeah. we can look at mm-hmm. uh, within our um, companies that we invest in under Tlaisani. Mm-hmm. Each of the investee companies has a CEO. And we are looking for international ones also. Yes. Africa. Yes. <laughs> so. yes. so I think, we, I mean, they, they, we can look and see mm-hmm. which ones speak to what 67 CEOs is trying to, 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 you know, to, to espouse to, mm-hmm. is promoting. Mm-hmm. So, Thank you very much for your time. And we are wishing you all the best uh, as a company. Mm-hmm. And we are looking forward to uh, having this company having grown into listing and beyond that and listing in the New York Stock Exchange. Wow, yes, why not? The (laughs) London one as well. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs)